Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean specifically brain foreplay? Well then tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes and the stars. No failure is final and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. What's up, people? Episode number three here at Brain for Play. Brain for Play? Brain for Play. My podcast that seeks to educate people about the brain. We have a brain right here. Upper cortical structure, prefrontal cortex, occipital cortex, hypothalamus, hippocampus, I could go on and on. Let me give you a little bit of background of what I'm doing with today's episode. Our first two episodes, we had guests. First one, Ryan Harris, Super Bowl 50 champion. Second one, Sandy Clough, the great Sandy Clough, probably the most preeminent talk sh- radio talk show for sport performance in the world. Very authentic, very authentic presentation of his son's uh, suicide and what that all meant. And at Brain Foreplay, our goal is to help people understand how to apply psychological constructs that we study. You know, one of the things I seek to do is to help people understand real ways to put into play how to, how to regulate yourself when stress and anxiety are on your doorstep. You know, figuratively speaking, there's live bullets flying out there in the world. There's a lot of stress and anxiety that we can attach ourselves to, but I want you to understand one thing. Stress is self-imposed, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So here at Brain Foreplay, today's our Mental Monday, and we're going to have Mental Mondays every Monday, right? (laughs) Makes sense, Mental Monday. And on that Mental Monday, you are going to get your checkup from the neck up. It's our logo. It's what we talk about. Your checkup from the neck up here at Brain Foreplay. So, like I said, the first two episodes we had guests today, I'm doing solo, more of a what we call didactic environment. Didactic, you can look that up. What it means is learning. You know, it's funny about psychology. Noah, my producer's here with us. You know, Noah, we could, we could just say learning environment, but we say didactic because it makes it more scientific, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things I want to differentiate our, ourselves here at Brain Foreplay is there's so many people doing these podcasts. There's so many people on the internet postulating mental tips, mental protocols, And, you know, with all due respect, most of them aren't qualified. I'm sorry, you know, Uh, not to pat myself on the back, but I worked very hard for my PhD. And PhD does not stand for piled high and deeper, okay? It was a lot of work. 
But I'm here to share knowledge with you, and we call them KSAs, knowledge, skills, and ability. And the way that you get your checkup from the neck up is Mental Mondays with us, and we're going to bring you information. And today, we're going to talk about how to scientifically leave your comfort zone. People talk about it all the time. Leave your comfort zone. Growth is a prerequisite. Leaving your comfort zone is a prerequisite of growth. I agree. But we're literally going to teach you how. Now, I just want to give people a little bit of base knowledge, the difference between the brain and the mind. The brain is this, the anatomy. For those of you who are watching this, I'm holding up a brain. A human brain is five to seven pounds. The mind is the brain plus input. So, sans dysfunctions or sans physiological issues, all of our brains are the same. The, the anatomy is the same. Where the differences come in is the mind, the input, the age of the brain, the educational experience of the brain, trauma in the brain, all of those things. So the brain is different than the mind. And if we train the brain, we have a really good chance that the mind will come on over and join it. So we don't train the mind, we train the brain. And I want you to understand a couple things. One, the basic thing is if you do not get your checkup from the neck up and reach your potential emotionally and psychologically, I'll repeat that. If you do not reach your potential emotionally and psychologically, you will never reach your potential as a human being. You will never reach your potential as an athlete. You will never reach your potential as a parent, as a husband, as a wife. One of the things we want to do here at Brain Foreplay is talk about relationships. And we'll get to that in episodes to come. But today, we're going to talk about leaving your comfort zone. Now, why is that? Why do I want to talk about that? Because so many people want to hide out in their comfort zone. They don't want to leave it. They want to stay where it's comfortable, where it's warm, where it's cozy. They don't want to necessarily challenge themselves. You know, here's a statistic. It's kind of crazy, Noah. Here's something that's been true for 20 years. The research has been clear. In America, 20% of people would rather die I'm going to repeat this. They would rather die than speak in public. Now think about that statement. Why is that? You're right. A, they don't want to leave their comfort zone. They want to stay in that comfort zone. I used to teach public speaking at the undergrad and graduate level before I set out on this world of entrepreneurship, I was a college professor. Imagine me as a college professor, <laughs> playing music every day, dancing, you name it. But 20% of people would rather die than speak in front of an audience. And what that speaks to is a couple things. There's a lot of psychology there. 
We're afraid of judgment. We're afraid that people will judge us in a negative way. Why are some people okay with being judged? I ask you out there, why is that? And some people are petrified at it. So I think it's important to understand why leaving your comfort zone is such an important psychological construct that I want to talk about today. Because when you do leave your comfort zone, you will reach your potential on a much more probable, high level of probability. Let's take athletes, for example. Most athletes are willing to leave their comfort zone physically. Physiologically, they're willing to sprint, lift weights, work hard, and in some sports, get into collisions. <laughs> Run into each other full speed. I used to play football. I know what that feels like. That is leaving your comfort zone. But after a while, you train your brain, again, the brain, not the mind, you train your brain to do that on a regular basis. Hurl your body at other human beings. Imagine that. It's kind of unnatural, but we train our brains to do it. So we, as human organisms, our ultimate goal today, and if you're out there taking notes, write this down. You must learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Now think about that. If you become comfortable being uncomfortable, are you ever uncomfortable? You get to a point where you're not. Now, I'm not bragging about this. I'm just stating what I believe to be true. I don't like the word facts. That's so hard. There's only a few facts in the world. Not even in math. The facts, there's a, the facts, the few facts that exist are in physics. But I, I really, there's not much that makes me uncomfortable. If anything, someone could walk up to me on the street and say, Dr. P, Dr. Rick Perea, PhD, Dr. P, I want you to speak in front of 5,000 people in five minutes, and I'll tell you your topic one minute before you go on. A lot of people would go, oh, shit. What am I going to say? I don't know what I'm going to say. Doesn't matter to me. Because as an extemporaneous speaker, I'll just meet the challenge, whatever the topic is, whether I know it or not. But that's, that's come from training my brain over years. So becoming comfortable being uncomfortable is what the ultimate goal is. And you can do it. For any of you listening out there today, let's say you're in that 20% that would rather die than speak in front of an audience, you can change that. At any moment, people, I want you to understand, you can change the way you think. And if you can change the way you think, you can change the way you feel, you can change your mood, and you can change your behavior. Those four follow in a row. Scientifically, thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to mood, mood leads to behavior. I want you to understand that. So all we have to do is shape our thoughts. Shape your thoughts or else, no, they'll shape you. And so many people live their life with their thoughts shaping them because they don't take an active role in it. A lot of us will work out in the morning, wait, run, yoga, 
and we're taking an active role in the physiology, but we don't take an active role in the psychology, training the brain, brain for play. But if we learn to leave our comfort zone emotionally and psychologically, greatness is ahead. I'm a testament to that. Not that I've achieved greatness. That's for someone else to decide. What I have achieved is I'm helping people every day. I'm helping so many different people. Athletes, surgeons, astronauts, moms and dads, equestrians, dependency people. I could go on and on. And one of the factors is helping them leave their comfort zone. And we have these little protocol cards here at Think One, the behavior design specialist. Our base is in good old Denver, Colorado, the Mile High City. But we also have locations in South Florida. By the way, where does Florida begin and end? We I used to live in Fort Lauderdale. We had a joke that said the north side of Florida is Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, Miami down. That's not very nice, but we used to joke about that. Number one, you must be willing to experience discomfort. It's, it's on our protocol card. You must be willing to experience discomfort. Now, you might say, well, I, I'm willing to. I work out in the morning. I go to the gym. But are you willing to experience discomfort emotionally and psychologically? Are you willing to look within and figure out ways to shape your thoughts, figure out ways to get better, hire a mental performance coach, a life coach, an executive coach? You know, I think the word therapist to me is a little bit antiquated, outdated. I think coaches really are more dynamic for future teachings. And we'll do that on another episode, differentiate the two, but you must be willing to experience discomfort. Let me give you an example. If you start dating somebody and you're in a relationship and it's going really well and you're, and you're literally talking to yourself at times, let's say you're two, three months into this relationship, and you start to say, wow, you know what? This could be a great relationship. But as you people know out there, there's always this counter voice. You know, you have a voice over here, then you have a voice over here. And some people would say it's the, it's the saint and the devil and whatever you want to frame it as. But there's this other voice that says, ah, you know what? I could get hurt. This person actually could hurt me. So you test the relationship and you do it in some ways that are subconsciously. You know, you may throw out this little bait out there that says, I'm going to see if they really care. And you know how you do it. There's a multitude of ways to do it. I don't even want to talk about that and put that in the universe in the brain. But you must be willing to love fully and completely to reach your potential in that relationship. And I'm here to tell you people, there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to be emotionally intimate. 
They don't know how to share themselves unconditionally. They've always went into the world carefully and sheltered themselves. You know, it's like if I know it's about 15 feet, my producer here in the studio, he's about 15 feet away from me. If I threw a baseball at you, Noah, what would you do? You dodge it. He'd move his head. He'd do something. We do that emotionally. We see that baseball coming and we move emotionally. We move psychologically and protect ourselves. We must love unconditionally and be willing to experience that discomfort emotionally and psychologically. And for example, here at Think One, we teach people techniques and protocols, how to leave your comfort zone emotionally and psychologically. Because when you do that, you will reach your potential in relationships. But if you stay in that comfort zone, you will be in an emotionally non-intimate relationship. And there's so many people that live that way. <laughs> Have you ever been, I, I've been to these people's houses that, the main topics are the weather, the sports teams, and their cars. And if you bring up emotionality or fear, hurt, core, core feelings, and you talk about them, like, you know, what's your life's greatest fear? What's your, what's your biggest hope? for the world, I call it run for the microwave. I've been at dinner tables where I've literally said to people, let's talk about our life's greatest fear. And someone will get up and say, I think I got to check something in the microwave and they run away because they don't know how to be emotionally intimate. And it's very common. So, one, be willing to leave your comfort zone emotionally and psychologically. Number two, you've got to leave your comfort zone five times daily. And you might say, Dr. P, five times? Yes, because if you don't have an outcome goal to say, I'm going to do it five times, we have a tendency to get lazy. And I, I'm not saying those five times have to be huge, crazy ways. But they have to be, you have to be willing to leave your comfort zone to start to train that your brain, your brain, you got to start to train your brain to leave your comfort zone on a regular basis. A really easy one would be try a food that you haven't before or that you think you may not like. Step out. A bigger one may be approach a person that you've wanted to approach for a long time, but you haven't. And it could be in a multitude of situations and contexts. It could be a student to a professor. I'm going to go ask that person that tough question that I've been wanting to. It may be in an interpersonal relationship. You see a guy, you see a girl that you really want to talk to. You know, here's some more research. Do you know that most of us will not approach our first teamer romantically? And what we mean by first teamer is that person we look at and go, whoa, 
Oh my gosh, Becky, look at her brain. <laughs> we won't approach her as a male. We'll, you know, if we're in that heterosexual relationship, we'll approach our second and third teamer because it's safe. It's safe. She's in my league. And oftentimes you talk to people who are extraordinarily attractive and they will say, I didn't even get asked out in high school. <laughs> Nobody approached them. Nobody left their comfort zone to approach them. So we've got to understand that we've got to have a number of times a day and literally strategize them, write them down and do them. Because again, you will start to train this brain that it's a norm to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, a good friend of mine, Julius Thomas, who used to play in the NFL, now he's getting his doctorate in psychology down in South Florida at Nova Southeastern University. Shout out. Um, he said it best. He says, you know, Dr. P, I want to skid into my grave. Nothing left. My body's used up. My brain's used up. Everything's used up. I like that. Like, why save it? <laughs> why stay in that comfort zone? People who stay in their comfort zone, they go to the grave fully intact. There's no broken arms. There's no broken hearts. And you got to get your heart broken. Not on purpose. But if you're living full speed, if you're leaving your comfort zone, you're going to get your heart broke. Hey, <laughs> come on, people. People to the people, the people, the people, the people. You've got to understand you will get your heart broken, and that's okay. I don't say seek it, but it will happen in the, in, in the, in the event of your however many years you, you walk this earth. And I'm here to tell you, it trains you. <laughs> it makes you more resilient. It makes you stronger if you choose that. But the graveyard is the richest place on earth, people. The richest place on earth because so many people go to the graveyard with their dreams unfulfilled, their books unwritten, their goals unachieved, their relationships unactualized. They don't go for it and leave their comfort zone to achieve these things. So many people want to write a book, and they, they don't. And they'll say, well, it's financial. Yeah, yeah, you can find a way. I talked to a guy the other day. It's going to climb Everest. It's going to cost him $92,000. He's already raised $80,000 to do it. People, you can find a way if you're willing to leave your comfort zone. But that five times a day will train the brain to get you where you need to be. Third one. You got to start looking at things through other people's viewpoint. You know, so many times, uh, it happened to me recently. You know, my whole life, I'd say 90% of the time I purchase cars that are white. White cars. I love white cars. And you know why I love white cars? Because I keep telling myself I love white cars. I know that sounds rudimentary, but it's really true. And 
recently I had a white car that went out of commission. That's another topic for another day. But as I sought to replace it, I kept looking for white cars. I want a white car with gray interior, red interior, whatever it is. But my brain, I kept saying, I, I love white cars. And anyone who's in my ecosystem, my micro ecosystem, by the way, your ecosystem is the people you're around every day. Micros close to you, macros surrounding. Teachers, coaches, cousins, whatever. Micros, your immediate family. The people in my micro system, ecosystem would tell you, yeah, Dr. P loves white cars. Always had them. So when I started looking for this car, I'm looking for white cars. And then I tripped upon this silver car. And I'm looking at this car. It's got some black wheels on it, and it's looking pretty dope. <laughs> Took my middle son, Keegan, with me, and we're, we're checking this car out. Calipers are red, and it's, it's popping, man. This car's popping. But my brain's like, wait, Dr. P, you love white cars. So I had this internal competition, competing thoughts. Can't get this silver car. It's, it's not white. But then I started to think how I train my clients to leave their comfort zone. To leave their comfort zone. So I started to apply those principles to me. See from others' viewpoint. If we only see things from our viewpoint, we're going to limit ourselves to the way that our brain has been trained over the years. I want, you know, you know who I would love to hang out with, Noah? I just, man, and, and I, know, I know the answer is going to sound kind of unsexy because it's probably a lot of people, but it's not for the reasons you'll think, and I explain it. Albert Einstein. Because what Albert Einstein brought, he, of course, great scientist, the law of relativity, speed of light, all that. Pure scientist. But man, that dude had some sociologically driven quotes that are still relevant today. I mean, I would love to hang out with him and just have coffee. The dude was a thinker on a social level too, not just science. Here I just said, maybe social is science. Ooh, maybe science is social. Ooh, here we go, baby. So I, when I applied the principles of leaving my comfort zone, and seeing things through other viewpoints, my son Keegan says, Dad, this, this car is pretty sweet, this silver car we're looking at. And so I took a picture of it at the dealership and came home. I'd never buy on the spot. I'm never going to buy um, you know, spontaneously or I'm going to think about things. I'm going to process them, right? So I go home, and I'm looking at this car, and I'm like, it is dope. It is fresh. Dope fresh. Those are some – where are those terms coming from, man? I think fresh was the 80s. Dope is 10 years ago, 15 years ago. My producer, Noah, has got all these words. What's the latest word, Noah? What, what am I missing? It's not fresh. It's not dope. What is it? Oh, man. Give me one. Just give me one. Lit nowadays. Lit. lit. It's lit. <laughs> my sons who are who are who are uh, 19 16 14 um they got a bunch of them too but 
So I wake up one morning. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to buy this white, uh, <laughs> Freudian slip, baby. Do you hear that? Do you hear that people? I'm going to buy this white car. <laughs> no, I'm going to buy this silver car. And I did. And right now it's out in the parking lot. Black wheels, red calipers, pretty cool car. And I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I call it Silver Bullet because I got to have a name. And then Keegan, my middle son, who's so creative, he says, Dad, it's a silverback. Now, my favorite animal in the world is a silverback mountain gorilla. Love mountain gorillas. Beautiful, beautiful animals. So I took my own advice. I bought a silver car when I've always bought white ones. So I saw it from another viewpoint. And when we can train ourselves to see things from other viewpoints, slow ourselves down to the point and say, you know what? I'm going to listen to this person. You know, I've been in the world of, of the NFL, first as a player, then as a psychologist, Major League Baseball, the NBA. And I'll tell you what. Listening to my athletes, my pro athletes, my college, even my high school athletes, they give me a lot of competing thoughts. They give me other things to consider. And so when you consider other people's viewpoints and slow yourself down to do that, man, you are expanding what we call your schema, S-C-H-E-M-A. And your schema is how you organize information. If I say little red Corvette right now, Ask yourself, what do you think of? I think of Prince. Everyone's schema is a little bit different. But you will stretch your schema if you're willing to see things from other people's viewpoints. Or at least listen to it and consider it. And that's growth. Which brings me to my fourth point. Growth occurs when we feel discomfort. Growth occurs when we feel discomfort. I can remember when I was a, a freshman in college, when I left home my freshman year. Man, whew, I was close with my parents, my family. And I remember driving down the street, leaving, because we had football camp that, that summer. And I started crying halfway down the block. I was like, man, it's like the umbilical cord is cut now, baby. <laughs> crying. And when I got to school, got to camp, and we checked in our dorms for football camp, we had roommates. We had one roommate, so two guys per room. I cried myself to sleep every night. My roommate didn't know it because I put a pillow over my mouth and cried into my pillow. But you know what? That happened, I would say, for about five or six nights. And then on the seventh night, he rose. <laughs> I don't know, that just came to me. I'm not sure why. <laughs> on the seventh night, I rose. Or the seventh morning, I rose. And I was different, man. I was different. I felt stronger. I felt more composed, more convicted. 
I just walked out of the dorm room, went down to practice, and just started kicking ass. Played outside linebackers, just knocking people on their ass. That was my goal. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. I, I didn't have an outcome goal like to be a starter or nothing. I'm just going to go out there and knock people on their ass. And that's what I started doing. But that discomfort I felt every night of leaving my nest, leaving my family, leaving Denver, Colorado to go off and be a, a college football player, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. But I stayed with it. And I committed to it. And I had success in college beyond what I anticipated. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how when you just show up and work and you're willing to put yourself out there in a discomfort level, what can happen? What can happen in your life? It's amazing. I'm just Ricky from the block. I'm, that's all I am, Ricky from the block. Just a kid from little old George Washington High School who... Went to college and just started knocking people on their ass and things started happening. Became a starter by my sophomore year. Heck, I did something very few people do in college. I made all conference at two different positions in the same season. That's pretty rare. But it was I was willing to leave my comfort zone. Bullet point number five, a prerequisite of performance is discomfort. If you're going to perform at your peak levels, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're, you will be uncomfortable. So it's a prerequisite. So I want you to accept in your brain today, you know what, I'm, I have to leave my comfort zone. And I want you to understand, leaving your comfort zone is not a bad thing. I'm not asking you to jump off a cliff. I'm merely saying to yourself, push yourself a little further than you're comfortable doing. You know, I heard a quote the other day on, on, on Instagram, or I read it, and I'm going to screw it up, but I'll get it close. <laughs> and the guy said, if you're not willing to do more than you're getting paid for, you'll never get paid more than what you do. You've got to be willing to do whatever. You know, when I was a freshman and I walked out there on their football field, there was nothing in my mind about starting or playing. I didn't have any outcome goals. My only goal was a process goal. And episode seven, episode eight, who knows when it'll come. We'll talk about the difference between process goals and outcome goals. And it's really, really important. But a prerequis prerequisite of performance is Discomfort. You will have to leave your comfort zone to reach your potential. And when you become comfortable being uncomfortable, oh my gosh, Becky, look at her growth. Look at her brain. So for me, I have become comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, uh, one day, this is about a year ago, I was in court 
representing uh, an athlete, not as a lawyer, because I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I'm a doctor of psychology, PhD, piled high and deeper. Um, but I came to, to emotionally, physically, psychologically support an athlete that had got into a little bit of trouble. And you know, at the end, the judge recommended counseling for my client. I shouldn't say my client, man. It wasn't my client. My brother, my, 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 my teammate for life. That's what I call my clients. They're teammates for life. And I asked the judge, I said, can I, can I interject a little bit of spit a little knowledge? <laughs> there's, there's something out here we call coaching. It's different than therapy. It, it's solution-based. You're teaching positivity. You're not in the pathology of what's wrong. You know, a lot of therapists, they may dig in and say, so, Johnny, what, what, why did you do this? Why did you punch this kid? Why did you choose to use this drug? Instead of saying, let's focus on the solution. Let's focus on ways you, that you can achieve academically, athletically, socially. And so I took about five minutes, and the judge let me speak, and I educated him about how powerful coaching can be, mental enhancement coaching. And he looks at me and he says, you know, Doc, I just want to thank you. I learned something today. And so it, I had to leave my comfort zone to raise my hand and say, wait a minute. I want to give you a competing thought. Thank goodness he, he had a, a solid self-concept to allow me to do that. In, an insecure judge would have said, no, I, I, I think I know what I'm doing, son. I've been doing this 25 years. <laughs> That reminds me of a coach. I remember this head coach in the NFL. I was, I was working with his starting quarterback, and he literally, when I left training camp that year, obviously his name will go unsaid, but he goes, Doc, here's my cell phone. And he gave me a cell phone number. He says, you know, if you see anything, give me a call. Let me know. So true to his word, I, I saw something in the first, second game of the season. I called him, told him, and he says, Doc, I've been coaching for 25 years. <laughs> I said, Coach, you told me to call you. He settled down after a few minutes, Noah, and then he drank the Kool-Aid. After he drank the Kool-Aid, quarterback soared. Bullet po point number six, and the last one, people. How we think will determine comfort or discomfort in our life. How we think. And remember I said earlier about shaping your thoughts? You can think that living in a world of comfort is the place to be. And you'll stay there. And you'll stay in this middle ground in the world of just mediocrity. Or you can choose to leave your comfort zone and say, I'm going to go beyond. Not because I, it gets me the accolades or awards. But when you live an authentic and true life of living to your potential, people, I am here to tell you, it feels wonderful. And 
even beyond. You self-transcend yourself and you go beyond who you are to help others. In another coming episode, we'll talk about self-transcendence. Maslow's highest on his level of pyramid, his hierarchy of needs is self-transcendence. You transcend yourself, you go beyond, and you help others. But that will be determined by how you think, how you shape your thoughts. You know, we have a technique called SIT, stress inoculation technique. It's not mine. It's performance psychology. We've used it for 20, 25 years to teach people how to shape their thoughts every morning to set the tone for the day. It's a scientific method. There's five steps to it. And I'm here to tell you, it will determine how you think, how you feel, your mood, and your behavior. And when you do that every day, there's no limit. There's no limit to what you can be, achieve, feel, behave. You know, I got to give a shout out to my sons. I was a senior in high school. He just broke the all-time squat record at his high school, Cherry Creek High School here in Denver. Kind of the St. Thomas Aquinas of Florida. <laughs> we used to live in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, he broke the all-time squat record not because of genetics, like somebody said to me the other day, thank you for that compliment, but because of his work ethic and his commitment. My freshman in high school squatted 500 pounds. First freshman to ever do that, that high school. But think about how they left their comfort zone. Not only physically, people, but emotionally, psychologically. Do you think there were days they didn't feel like going to the gym? Hell yeah. Heck yeah. They did not want to go to the gym on some days, but they did anyway. I've never seen them miss a day. They train their brains to leave their comfort zone. And by the way, I don't train them, by the way, so just so you know. They just follow a model because what I do is I wake up every day and I love people and I love life. And listeners out there, I love you. Now you may say to me, Dr. P, you don't know me. I know who you are. I know who all of us are. We're all on this journey together. And I know you, but I don't know you. But I don't have to know you to love you. I can love humankind unconditionally because I leave my comfort zone every day. And I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. So just for review, we have six bullet points. And if you're willing to leave them, you can leave your comfort zone every day in a profound way. People, I love you, trust you, and believe in you. I will say this. Please tune in to Brain Foreplay. Every chance you get will be on here. Every We'll have a Mental Monday. Mental Monday. You see, I am Mental Monday, and I'd like to say hello. Uh, to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I got to bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say up, chuck the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. Ha! Ah! What do you think of that, Noah? Rapper's delight, baby. But get your checkup from the neck up here at Brain Foreplay every Monday for your mental Monday, and we will rock it, baby. Love you, trust you, and believe in you.
don't forget to join us next week, same place, same time, to get your checkup from the neck up, fortified by foreplay. That's brain foreplay. And please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.